live here for the premiere episode of the MCW cast. I am Legacy MCW Pro announcer Larry Legend, and I'm just tickled pink to be a part of this, the, the premiere episode. And I'm not by myself. I'm joined by uh, co-owner and co-founder of MCW Wrestling, Dan McDevitt. Uh, and I'm happy to be here and happy you brought us all together. Uh, for this MCW cast, and of course, we, we uh, you know, wouldn't be here without Tara. The lovely Tara. <laughs> I would always call her the lovely Tara. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. This is um, a long time in the making, and, um, you know, we've all been involved with MCW for uh, for year, decades at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's decades, only natural yeah. that we would find ourselves sitting together at this table. Yeah, I, I just think it's so heartwarming uh, for me uh, the first company that I was ever associated with, MCW, when it was Maryland Championship Wrestling. And I didn't start off as a ring announcer. It was, you know, Dan, Corporal Punishment, that first put that microphone in my hand. And here we are now, 18 years later, and I'm back. I've got another microphone. It's more than that, buddy. Well, well actually, 18 for you. 18 yes. for me, 23 <clears throat> for you, right? 23 for me for MCW, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, 20 for me, yeah. Well, I've been know, here for 20. Let's give a little background about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always think ladies first, so Tara, why don't you uh, get the ball rolling with for the folks who don't know who we are, just tell us a little bit about who we are. Sure, well, I, I didn't know MCW existed, actually. Um, I got my start in wrestling um, in radio, actually actually. And um, I worked with Wrestle Talk America with the Devious Doc, if any of you remember that. It was a syndicated show. And uh, we filmed a TV commercial at Bonebreakers, the old MCW training center. And I was like, oh, hey, there's wrestling. Like, I didn't know. And um, I, I got bit by the bug. Like, I wanted to be a part of it. Like, all that stuff I saw. And I was like, you know, uh, that's what I want to be with. So that's what led me here. And uh, I love it. And that was like 19 years ago, you That was say? 2000. So actually, August of 2000, it was um, right after, right around SummerSlam. Okay. And I signed up. I knew I was going to do it. Walked in the door. Did not know what I was getting myself into. I took that little picture out, you know, in front of the uh, Bone Breaker sign. How we yeah, make all, yeah. the, all the new students signed up there. Yeah. So I, I did that. that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was right after you. If you you're, if you're uh, 19, I'm, I'm 18. So I came right after 9-11. Right, right after, it was September of 2001. Such a tragic event had happened right before our very eyes on TV. And I just never, I could always, I never forget that I was thinking to myself when I was watching that tragedy happen, like, wow, those people probably went to work that morning and they had no idea that, you know, they would, that would be the last thing that they did with their lives. And I kind of, I said, you know, Larry, you know, I don't want to have gone down some path of life and not have done the things that I've always wanted to do. And with that said, I'd always been so enamored by pro wrestling. It's my favorite type of entertainment. And I remember there were these these commercials that played during Monday Night Raw. I never missed Monday Night Raw. There was these commercials where this guy, which I learned was Axel Rotten, were doing these vo- voiceovers saying, have you ever wanted to get out of the crowd and into the ring? Come down to Bullbreakers Pro Wrestling Training Academy, 4707 Benson Avenue. Get out of the ring and, or get out of the crowd and get in the ring. That's exactly and, what the 41073 That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was in studio with Axel. Right. So that's that's what led me down there to to meet with you, Dan and Mark. And, you know, we talked about things. I said, I don't really want to be a wrestler, but there's got to be some kind of role for me. That's right. I can can help out in some capacity. And uh, you made me an offer and you told me um, the connections that you'll make here, if you stick with it, are going to last you a lifetime. So 
Uh, if you're serious and you're dedicated, we'll see it out here on whatever day it was. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, you – and that's that's a – in, what, 30 years in professional wrestling. And I guess um, I started kind of becoming a coach in, um, like, the mid-'90s and kind of mentoring people. And um, it, it, you get so many people that are like, hey, I don't want to do wrestling – or I don't want to referee, but I want to do something. We get so many of those requests, you can't honor them all, or right. else we'd have, you know, I'd have uh, 3,000 people working behind the scenes. Right. But I remember, and at the time, Mark Schrader was my partner. You know, it was just something about you, and I was like, we like this guy, and that's kind of, that's the weird part of professional wrestling, I guess. Like, yeah. we just knew, and here's, you know, 20-some years later, 20 years later, like, obviously, it was the right call and the right choice. Like, And then, you know, you, you, we stumbled upon, like you said, finding out how amazing you were as a MC. Yeah, well, you know, ring announcer. well, tell us about you, Corp. You know, I, you know, the, Tara and I have given our introduction. <laughs> so you mentioned assessing talent and being a mentor. Tell us about you. So I, I started, I was, I, was, um, I was a young kid chasing professional wrestling and wanted to do it. And... Um, I, right out of high school, some people go to college. I decided I wanted to be a pro wrestler. That was 1991. I graduated Catonsville High School in 91. And um, I started wrestling. And then, it, But there was never anything really around here. And um, over my first couple of years in wrestling, um, I, I, I would, would help people. And, and, and I just kind of developed a love for coaching and teaching people. And... Um, approached Mark Schrader, I guess, mid-1990s. We were probably at 1997. Mm -hmm. We opened up Bonebreakers Pro Wrestling Training Center to kind of give people an opportunity. And then here we are. That yeah. kind of coaching and mentoring led to being a promoter and just, you know, coaching and mentoring many, many people over the years. And here we are, both essentially. You guys are my kids. Yeah. You know, my kids in wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so. you've had a lot of them. You know, um, it's it's interesting you bring that up. You know, your kids and all of the individuals that you coached and mentored. Mm -hmm. uh, there was there was one individual who was critical to uh, to bringing us all here together uh, today. You know, I think we can talk a little bit about how we all came together after all these years of MCW being a thing. Well, we finally have dipped our toe into kind of a, a an episodic, you know, podcast, but. Right. Uh, there was a catalyst for that, and it happened not too long ago. I don't know, Tara, if you want to touch on what, what brought us all together for the MCW cast. Sure. Well, you know, we've we've always over the years talked about different projects. You know, I remember a couple of years ago we had a big production meeting about different avenues that we could pursue and just different ways to do it. But, you know, there was always so much going on. You know, we, we, you know, we have an extensive touring schedule. You know, we're always doing shows. Like, there was always just something going on. And then, you know, the pan the global gimmick hit, and we wound up having to rethink how we interact with our fans and everything. And while all that was going on, you know, on a serious note, there was something else taking place, and that was with um, the Bruiser, also RJ, uh, my ex-husband. <laughs> um, you know, he uh, was the first student ever to sign up at Bonebreakers. So he, um, you know, you talk about, Dan, you being a coach and you being a mentor, you certainly were that for RJ, and then he came full circle and he was the coach and, you know, he took great pride and joy into developing this new training center and getting, um, you know, uh, developing new talent. And it was really a great role for him later in his career, not to mention his comeback. But then in 2019, he got diagnosed with leukemia 
And um, so that, you know, really kind of changed the course of his legacy. And um, we received the news over the summer that he was not going to recover from this. And um, it was really hard to accept. And, you know, um, you you can speak a little bit about that, Dan, you know, like how I came and uh, yeah, so, kind of tried to deal with that. Um, well, because it was incredibly difficult for us and 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 um you know as we've all kind of talked about privately um Tara's Tara's the catalyst for a lot of it for the for the show that we did with the bruiser to remember him for evolving into this because um she really did want to Tara really did want to have this show that we did um for RJ so while he could see it and um it's something I, I bring up because I think our fans should know because I've I've seen it in messages a lot since we aired it um rj did see a lot of the stuff that was filmed mm-hmm. absolutely he was you were able to show it to him in his final days he didn't get to see the final product that we put together um <clears throat> but that event and putting that event on and just seeing how emotional everybody was over rj and the love that they had for him just the fans and all the people that he touched uh you know it, it woke us up too to like hey you know what we've We've really been out of touch with this thing going on in the world with our fans, and we need to reconnect and uh, reconnect with our fans and be able to communicate with them and talk to them till we get to a point where we can start doing live events again, mm-hmm. and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that was really interesting about watching that show that we did um, and watching it on social media was seeing the interaction with our fans. And, you know, there were there were tons and tons. It was an outpouring of support. There were messages that came in over that last weekend and those final couple of weeks, you know, hundreds and hundreds of messages. But what I thought was really special and unique is when we were airing that event, seeing our fans talking to each other, too. And, you know, our fans here, are, we got we have some very loyal fans. We've got people who have been to every single show since, you know, the Patapsco Arena and, you know, all, all of those shows and have followed us with them. And, you know, it's kind of like they have PSLs. They buy the same seat every show. Yeah. You know, they sit together. They know all the people around them. Um, and seeing them interacting with each other kind of just told us, hey, we, we got to get that that back, that, that sense of family. Like we're in a, a period of hurt and loss and confusion and the world is crazy right now. So this is our thing that holds us together. And we need to find a way to make it um you know something that we can do and and connect again and you're right about something it was um from a, a promote a producer promoter um of doing you know hundreds and hundreds of shows I mean, probably three or four hundred shows i've promoted now since i started um it was such a different way of sitting and watching on youtube on my television at home as it was streaming and airing um you're right like i felt the fans like mm-hmm. I could it was so with there are so many points um so many points throughout that broadcast that I I just I could feel the fans and you could see them talking with one another I could almost feel them popping even though there were no fans there you could I could feel and almost hear the reactions in the back of my head yeah it was um, it was very talk. emotional um mm-hmm. watching it um being a part of it and um, again, it really is what kind of led us to to the dance, if you would, with the MCW cast. And I just think it's really, uh, it's it's the legacy. It's the legacy of you, Dan, as a coach, to coach RJ, to coach so many others that we we won't let that we won't let that die. You know, we won't 
uh, let his memory die. And um, I think that that's what's driven us all to forge this new path of, uh, of talking to those same fans that were watching along mm-hmm. with the tribute to Bruiser um, and the popping that they were doing. Yeah. That made RJ smile. Yeah. And um, that's led us right now to giving more to the MCW faithful, the fan base uh, that meant so much to RJ and has meant so much to us over the over the years. Yeah, and I think um, I think you know you um, you you have people in your life that uh, that you you know that you have relationships with, and and when you have someone that you really really deeply love, um, like so many people deeply loved, and I know I I deeply loved him, and even though you guys were separated as husband and wife, you have two beautiful kids together. And that's love. Um, and, you know, lots children. of people didn't know we were divorced, which was, right. you know, yeah. we've been divorced for longer than we were married. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, like 10 years. And, um, you know, we had a much better relationship as friends. And we truly were best friends. Um, we got along much better that way. And, um, you know, I I wanted to do something. Like, I wanted to him to see. I mean, when I first approached you in the summer about doing a show, I kind of framed it as a bruiser appreciation or a bruiser retirement. Well, of course, he was having none of that. Like, he right, didn't want to. I mean, he certainly didn't want to retire. I mean, and he flat out told me that this summer. Oh, I'm not retiring. Like, well, but, but right. <laughs> you know, things aren't looking good. And I know, knowing him the way I do, I know there was no other way that this was going to happen. Like, he's not the kind that would have been comfortable watching that. You know, he was a humble guy to, you know, to to have that kind of um, adoration from the fans, you know, I think it would have been too much for him. So, you know, he was able, I showed him everything, um, you know, and it broke it up because, you know, of course it, I couldn't be shown all at one time. And I read all the messages and, you know, people sent, you know, I had hundreds and hundreds of messages and voicemails and, you know, I read all those to him and everything. So he did know, but I think that it wouldn't, there's no conceivable scenario that he would have just been sitting at home watching a tribute show to him and would have been okay with it because he would have wanted to be at the show, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, and, and the night that we taped some of the interviews, he was you know, not physically here, but he was on a Zoom call and he was mm-hmm. interacting with people. So, right. you know, MCW originals from, you know, 20, 22 years ago were able to say and say their final farewells and say what an impact he had on their lives. And I think that that was probably the only scenario it was ever going to be. Yeah. And I and I think, too, to, you know, I know you wanted to do it back in the summer, like you said, when he cut it off and was like, I'm not retiring, you know, but me and you have talked about it back then. Um that was that was an easy way out for me to kind of push pause talking with you about doing it because the reality would have been that I would have had to accept that what was coming was mm-hmm. coming and I didn't want to Dennis didn't want to uh, Dean none of us wanted to accept yeah. and 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 saying okay we'll go forward with this bruiser tribute show was us acknowledging that this was coming yeah you know it ultimately did it's ultimately something we've had to deal with but at the time, it was easy to say, well, we don't want to face that now. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole process was pretty therapeutic yeah. for our fans, for us mm-hmm. as a family to come together to heal and to reminisce. Um, there were a lot of there was a lot of good feedback about some of those flashback matches we showed. Um, there were tons of people commenting, "Oh, I never saw that comeback match when he he um, wrestled Gangrel," and you know, and some of the old stuff with him and Axel and you, of course. You know, so we were able to give some of our modern fans who only know him from here, from you know, say twenty. 
14 on, we were able to bring back some of that history and everything and show, you know, his evolution to where he got to here, where he was this coach and this mentor and this, you know, we called him the yeah. mayor of MCW. Yeah, and, and to, to a quick story that you guys may or may not know, which is, it's like, it's my favorite story of RJ. Um, and, and one of the reasons, like, I was so just kind of deeply, like, connected to him uh, on so many levels. Um, as you said, he was. Um, when me and Mark Schrader decided we want to, we wanted to open up bone breakers and we wanted to have a place for teach people how to train. I don't know if you know this story or not, but um we were I was we were 21 year early 20s and um we didn't have any money. And uh I, I was off and on. I was early 20s, so just had moved out of my parents, moving back in. You know, like get an apartment, you like when you're at that age and you're trying to figure out. So we were broke and we signed a lease at a park uh, at, at at Bone Breakers where mm-hmm. we were at with the uh, the Azar brothers down in in uh, Anne Arundel County, and we had enough money for our deposit and last month rent, but we didn't have any money for the second month rent, so we really didn't have any money for a wrestling ring. We were so young and we were just and we didn't have any credibility. We didn't have the history that we have now to to get people to want to sign up to our wrestling school. So we we you know promoted by handing out flyers at the arena. And pushed a wrestling school we didn't even have months before we had the lease. So I got all these people's phone numbers. RJ was one of them, and names on a voicemail. And uh, I had to borrow a ring from a friend that had it was I believe even Dennis back at the time that had a ring, but we didn't have enough to buy a ring. So like RJ was the first person to walk in the school the night we had quote unquote tryouts. Even though back then the truth was we would have. <laughs> We'd have signed You'd have up taken anybody. everybody. Right? Anybody that had right. money. We would right, have taken right. Because, uh, you know, we needed to. So RJ signed up, and they were there. the ring was there for the tryouts. But then we had to give the ring back because they had ring rentals that weekend. <laughs> so I'll never forget. I've always, and me and RJ laughed about it for years. RJ was the bruiser back then, long hair, big like Dr. Death, Steve Williams build. Yeah. RJ always has been one of the toughest guys I ever knew. And I'll never forget, I was leaving, and I was going to leave the school. He got there like half hour before we were open. I saw we still got like a half an hour, so I was going to shoot down to the rural farm or the gas station and get a drink. And he walks in the door. They had picked the ring up already. So the ring was gone. (laughs) RJ comes in the door. You never heard the story? No, no. (laughs) RJ comes in the door as I'm like leaving. And he's like 45 minutes early because he was so eager. He had signed up, and he's like, he looks, and he sees the ring gone, and he's like, where are you going? <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get a drink. He's like, where's the ring? And he's like, in front of me, like he's going to stop me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just going down. He's like, where's the ring? And you can tell, and then I realize he thinks I'm running a con. Because that was the way it was back in the yeah. day, you know? Yeah, because You I, take the deposit, and you're out, out of right. town. But RJ was so eager, he paid his whole, like, three grand up front. The couple of days before, so he like thought he tried. He, he was he messing. caught you. He caught you like <laughs> skipping town. Yeah, yeah. Where, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And uh, and it was that we. I was at the time we were BS, and we said, "Oh, we were getting the ring fixed." The truth is, we needed the money from people signing up to, to order win. a ring. Our <laughs> ethics were always there. Obviously, we're here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. never we never conned anybody and skipped. 
That was never. But we had to fake it till we make it. If the money that we took when we took sign-ups, that like five or six people that signed up the week before, we then took the money and bought a ring. So like two or three weeks later, we had a ring. But for the first couple of weeks, all we did was calisthenics. It was like, a, it was a wash. Yeah, and it was okay. something, you know, that we had that connection. We And me and RJ, we would laugh 20 years later and about how he was like, he really was like, <laughs> had me cornered. Like, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Dude, I'm just going to get something to drink. Where's the ring? Right. And uh, so he was literally, the, he was the first guy that believed in me when he had, no one had any reason to. Because I had no credibility as a coach. We didn't have any history as a company. And uh, me and Mark Schrader at the time. So that's the connection me and him always had. And why I always loved him so much, you know, as yeah. my first student, you know, because he did. And he believed in me. And then he, he became the teacher. Indeed. So. Indeed. And speaking of him becoming the teacher, there, um, when we reopened at the training center here in Joppa, Maryland, um, we had two of our first students that walked through the door and signed up and much the way RJ signed up uh, to right. be your first one. And Larry, why don't you tell our, our, our viewers who that those students were? Well, the, yeah, absolutely, Dan. It, it, it all goes each one to teach one was kind of a mm -hmm. motto from, from Bone Breakers. A couple mottos we have, but each one to teach one. And uh, yeah, two of the first two students to come into this uh, iteration of Bone Breakers, which is now the MCW Pro Academy, uh, were uh, Patrick Clark, also known as mm -hmm. the Velveteen Dream, and uh, Leo Rush, the man of the hour, who have both gone on to just have blossoming careers, came under the tutelage of the Bruiser. And um, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more extensively about mm -hmm. one of those uh, students of the MCW family. That's but right. I think we need to pause right now for a little station identification. That's so right. fans, stay with us. We're going to be right back because we've got a surprise for everyone right here on the premiere edition of the MCW cast. Uh, after our, our brief interlude there, and we left off talking about two of our, our most prized students in the history of uh, MCW, and uh, we, we left off on the man of the hour, Leo Rush, one of the first two students to actually come to our, our new iteration of the- Part two. Yeah. What's that? Part two, the, the training center part. Two. Yeah, the That's training right. center part two. Was originally Bone Breakers, where Tara and I first mm -hmm. you know, right. came into and bruiser into your life. Uh, but Leo Rush and, and uh, the Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, both came into the Joppa MCW Pro Wrestling uh, Academy and- Dan, what was the impact of... Uh... Yeah, and wanted to give a little background, too. So again, I guess, talking to the fans, the, the newer fans or people watching us that don't know that are just learning about us. Um, we had Bone Breakers from about 1997 to about 2003. Yeah, that's it. Yep. In that time period, um, you know, Orlando Jordan, Mickey James, Lita trained there. Mm -hmm. Um D. Edwards or Derek Moore, yeah. one of the main, you know, um, WWE referees. Um, so many people um, came through that, and then we closed the school, and I didn't have another training center. It's hard to believe, but I guess for 11 years. And um, I didn't, we would, I just, it was a lot training. We, I kind of got burnt out of training. I, I, I thought that I didn't want to do another training center. But after time and time goes by, I just personally wasn't happy with 
the way a lot of guys we'd use on shows, young guys on shows in the area. I felt like their fundamentals were bad. Mm. Um, they weren't really developing character. It was just a lot of sloppiness. I just wasn't happy with. And then um, Pat Brink, who was also one of our original students, had been with WWE for a couple of years in their developmental system. Um, people like RJ, obviously, who, who was always a, a, a building block of MCW, and a couple others just started pushing me at a time where we got into the building Joppa. We had a, a possibility of working out a lease situation, which something a lot of promoters always like kind of dream about, right? Is having a place where you could do a training center and shows in the same mm-hmm. place. So it all kind of worked. And I just like... Just like a guy like RJ, when he was, you know, we were back in the school and there was no ring there and he was, you know, trying to trying to pin me into a corner thinking I'm skipping town. <laughs> we were like kind of putting the ideas together and these two guys, these two kids were showing up at the shows and I had mentioned, they were like, I, I hear you're going to train. They had heard mm-hmm. through like other friends that they knew were involved in wrestling and they were like, we want to train, you know, and they were, and, and Patrick and, and Leo. They wanted to train with us. They wanted to train at MCW. They knew of our legacy. And they were like, if you're going to open a school, but if you're not, we're going to go somewhere else because we want to do it. And it was this was fun for a couple months, and they'd come and help out, and I'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to open. I'm going to yeah. reopen. Once I had made the decision and enough people pinned me in the corner, so we reopened the training center in 2014, beginning of 2014 or so. So it was about 11 years in between. But now this this version of the school's been around for seven, almost seven years, and uh, yeah, and Leo and Leo and Patrick, man, they were they were um, number one and number two, number one and number two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like part two, number one and for part two. For, RJ and Tudo were number one and number RJ the first and iteration. For, yeah, absolutely. You know, your RJ first and Tudo for the first two, um, and and then Leo and Patrick in uh in this version. Yeah, part two. So. And. I guess that's going to kind of lead to our, our, our surprise here. I mean, our I guess it's not too much of a surprise. No, I mean, we <laughs> but I think it's yeah. a it's a fitting surprise because we talk a lot about things coming full circle. And, you know, we mentioned about RJ being the coach and, well, being the student first, then being the coach. And one of his most memorable matches was when he got to do the teacher versus student match. And it was meaningful and impactful to him because he really took um, this person under his wing and mentored him. And he was so invested in his success. But also, he was pretty excited that he could could still bring it with a guy half his age. Like, I'm not even going to lie. He was really, really pumped about this. I remember like, it. He was so I excited because he you know he'd come from a you know some some personal hardship and everything and so it was like a rebirthing of him as a performer and as a person and this match really was just the highlight of his career. And it was it meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to the person in the match with him. And I think um the other thing with that too was um that we gave Leo the option of what match to have, and he chose mm-hmm. RJ. And I think from having conversations with RJ, it meant the world because when you know, like in wrestling, you know, oh, you can wrestle whoever you want, and the fans think that's just a gimmick to advertise a match. But we really did say, Leo, tell us who you want. If you want us to bring someone in, we'll book them. If it's an indie guy, because it all all the stars aligned. It was his last match. WWE was letting him have his last indie match with us. 
And then after that, he goes to reports to NXT. So we really would have. We would have. I said, well, I'll bring in whoever. If it's someone you want to wrestle, you haven't. And he said, RJ. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I, I want to wrestle RJ. You know, and it's a, so it, he, he, he really did pick him. And I think that meant the world's on it. It did. It Absolutely. Was, I, I think in a word, it was fitting. It mm-hmm. was fitting that the one who kind of bought Leo to the dance to get into WWE and showcased all of his skills was was RJ. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to close that chapter right. uh, at the time on the indies with his mentor, his coach. I think that we've said enough. I want right. to get on to... Yeah, we should let the people know. Yeah, and he, actually, we had to do this on a Zoom call, this interview with Leo, because lining up, he's on the West Coast, lining up, getting our times together. Yeah. It was just easier to get it on a Zoom call, and um, we got it earlier today. So we'll go ahead and send it over to the interview. Yeah, let's take a listen to what all we right. all had to say to the one, the man of the hour, Leo Rush. All right, everybody. You guys all there? It's Tara, Larry, Leo. Yep. Hi. Everybody here. All right. Well, here we go. Um, MCW cast episode one, and uh, our guest Leo Rush. How's it going, buddy? I'm going. I'm going pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? <laughs> pretty good. How's uh the the sport in the uh, MCW television title? Where are you at? In LA now? Yeah, I'm in LA right now. I'm at home. Uh, it's just bright. It's early. It's sunny out here. It feels pretty good. It feels pretty good with this uh, heavy gold around my waist. It's been a long time since I've had some MCW uh, gold, so I'm, I'm feeling right. good. And um, I, I uh, unfortunately, your comeback was um, not under the greatest circumstances, but um, doing the uh, the tribute for RJ. But that's also kind of the catalyst of why we're even here um doing this show we had kind of we had kind of went dormant and obviously like most people i think in the industry it's very much it's it's been very much like um a twilight zone um where we thought we were just not going to be doing shows for a couple weeks and that turned into a couple months and then all of a sudden you know eight months later we're still not doing things and everything happened with rj and then um, when Tara and 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 Diaz and John and everybody that um everybody that contributed to put that show together um, for RJ when he got sick and um, the obviously the original intent the fans may not know this but the intent was um, we were we wanted RJ to see that show we knew um, that that his time was limited and we were trying to do it. Um, and put it together so that he could watch it so that we could all kind of <clears throat> kind of show him um, what he meant to us. And then unfortunately he passed uh, a couple of days before we were able to get it to air. That's why a lot of the interviews um, and uh, that some people were, were like, they were talking to him and others that they were talking in past tense after he passed, but you, you obviously came back and uh, it was really neat because um the being a wrestling promoter for 20 years um one of the the exciting things i've always found was the surprises on shows um and surprise comebacks and things like that where you would where the the roof would blow off the place and even though there was no one in the building you could kind of see it in line as it was um as it was streaming when uh you popped out of the curtain you could kind of see all the exciting reaction of yeah um, of everybody was really neat it was like you you could see the pop as if the building was 
as as full the roof would have came off a of Joppa when you came through the curtain. So that was that was pretty cool um, seeing it in that context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was um, like you said. I, I could kind of see it as soon as I went through those curtains. Um, I had so many flashbacks, even you know, from when I initially graduated from the MCW training center and and walking out of there for the first time. And then I had another flashback of me, you know, coming out and having my last match at MCW. And I could just see, you know, the, the, the entire building filled with people. I could see like kids at the end of the ramps, like holding out their hands, like waiting for like a, a high five. And I could see the signs and everything else. So it was a pretty, you know, even though there was no, fans there I felt like the the spirit of not only RJ but this just the spirit overall spirit of the fans like they were there like I, I felt it and it felt good yeah and it was and that's when I went to Tara and um afterwards and I, I realized and I saw this you know not not only the the spirit of everybody watching online but I was like we man we really I could see like our fans missed us and um I was like we really got to try to find a way to to connect um, and reconnect with them while we kind of figure out what's going on here and when we'll be able to come back to live events. And, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of how all this happened and why we're, you know, kind of here now doing this, this, uh, this, this podcast. The fans didn't just miss us. They wanted, they literally, some of the comments were saying, Hey, I live right across the street. I'm going to go over there right now. Like when you came out, Leo, like Dan was saying, the message boards like lit up and everything. And people were like, I'm going there now. Leo's there. Leo's there. And I was cracking up. because It was like, people just, you know, like you said, it kind of still felt like people were there, you know, and they really uh, had that same kind of excitement, you know, and just reading the comments and everything and people popped, you know, through text which was, you know, a new way to do things, but it still kind of had that feel to it. You know, people were really, um, were really surprised and they were really excited. And I just have to take a minute and say thank you to you, Leo, because that, that day meant so much. You know, you got off a flight, you came right there um, to the arena, spent several hours there, you know, and it just meant a lot to me. And I know it meant a lot to the fans that you took that time. You had such a tiny little bit of time that you were even in town for. And so the fact that you, you know, came and did that really meant a lot to all of us. No, for sure. I I definitely, I had to be there. I absolutely had to be there. And, you know, as soon as things get back up and running, I'm going to be there again. You know, I'm going to be there every time. So. I appreciate you guys for, for, you know, welcoming me back with, with open arms in that moment. Of course. Yeah. And I, I think uh, not only, not only welcoming you back, uh, but you know, we, we kind of bankrolled you right into uh, even more accolades because shortly after, you know, you, you took that piece of gold, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you rolled into another company and grabbed some gold shortly after uh, <laughs> attaining the MCW race title. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I had a little bit of momentum going going there, and and, and I had to I had to keep it going. I had to keep it rolling, and um, I'm glad that you know the the starting point was 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 MCW, and uh, I feel like you know the starting point is always at MCW. That's home. That's that's the home base, and that's that is you know where Leo Rush was created. That's why I'm the the person and the wrestler uh, and the father that I'm that I am today. You know, so you know everything starts at MCW. You know, as a promoter um, that's been doing this like 25 years, 
like you being on that show and coming back for that show um, with RJ was like the culmination of a bigger story that a lot of fans don't know of, a really cool story. Um, and that story is that like, you know, when all the years I've been doing this and, and people get signed and whether they would go to WCW or WWF, a lot of times with independent wrestling, it's there's timing wise um it's really hard to line up like someone's last show or give them a farewell show um but you like everything when you signed with the wwe everything just like the stars kind of just aligned perfectly where not only did they allow you and wwe allow you to kind of do your last show but you did your last show on the indies with us you know, in the same building that you started training um, and you wrestled RJ, your trainer in your last match. And uh, then for you to kind of leave WWE and then come back for the show after RJ's passing, it was just like, I saw it as kind of just this really perfect story. Um, Mm -hmm. This long, long story that was told that was really, so I was getting emotional about you being back from that, like stepping back and looking at it um, from that point, like, man, what a, what a really, what a culmination to this like story, you know, that maybe our fans picked up on, but me as yeah. a promoter, um, I thought it was really neat um, that you yeah. know, all, all that kind of came together. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not entirely, you know, sure if the fans really understood the grasp of, of everything and why I did what I did. But uh, like you said, like I'm sure from a promoter standpoint, from from your standpoint, uh, Larry, and, and, and Sarah, um, you know, that was my way of saying thank you to RJ, you know, because he has taught me so much, you know, not only with wrestling, <clears throat> but just, just life, just life lessons, you know, like I, I, I will take my hat off and, and, and say, you know, he is a, a major reason why I got signed to WWE. He's a major reason why I chose the path that I chose, uh, you know, um, with independent wrestling and, and, you know, picking every single last show uh, and, 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 and having every single last detail, you know, like make sense. And like you said, like having that show be my last, my last show in the independence, uh, my last match. Um, I, I just wanted to say, thank you. I, I wanted, I wanted that to be my last, uh, my last match, my last farewell before I went off to the WWE, just to say, you know, thank you for getting me to this point. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty cool. It was a very special, uh, you know, moment for me. And even I made the decision, um, you know, a little bit uh, before coming back to MCW. And I told myself, you know, I, I don't think I'm gonna I'm not gonna be on the Indies anymore. I, I don't see my time in wrestling, um, you know, going any further. Uh, really, I don't know. I just felt like my time was kind of like dwindling down on the independent circuit. Um, and, you know, finding out that that show was happening, it just kind of like reignited the flame a little bit. Um, right. mm-hmm. And how, yeah, how appropriate, you know, there's flames on the side of this title. <laughs> uh, title <laughs> yeah, that, you right? know, RJ, RJ, you know, made famous in, in Maryland. 
And um, like you said, it's just a perfect, like a picture perfect story, you know? You know, although RJ isn't here with us anymore, you know, in a sense, he still is. He's still running through all of our veins and, you know, through our bodies and our spirits and our minds and stuff like that. So um, it is picture perfect, even though the circumstances might not be what everybody, you know, wants them to be, but everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, obviously I'm not saying that, you know, his passing is what, uh, you know, he's the reason why I'm continuing to go on the independent circuit um, but in a sense, it, it really is, you know, I needed, yeah. I needed that, I needed that push. I needed that drive. I needed, you know, to, to know exactly, um, how much RJ meant to me and how much he influenced my career. And, you know, like I said, this is why I'm here today. Yeah. And talk a, a little bit about, I guess you're talking about like where your attitude was when, when you left and about coming back from the Indies, I guess we can touch on that. Like, I guess departing WWE, I imagine there was probably a lot of emotions you were going through. Um, yeah, you know, you know, nobody, nobody dreams of going to WWE and then getting released. You know, nobody, everybody always has the mindset of, oh, I want to, I want to be in WWE for the for the rest of my life. I want to be a WWE Hall of Famer. I want to, you know, be a world champion. I want to, you know, do so many things uh, in the company. You know, I, I dreamed about it since I was five years old, and you know, when when you are that age, that's all you see is the bright lights and you see the fans and you see, you know, you hear the entrance music and you, you see people popping and stuff like that. But what you don't see is you don't see the backstage politics. You don't see uh, in the business. You don't you don't think about that stuff as a kid. Uh, so I feel like, you know, signing WWE, going through the things that I went through. Uh, even though I was used to wrestling, I was used to being in an environment like that. It was somewhat of like a culture shock, but like a culture shock within wrestling uh, that I just wasn't expecting, um, you know, talking to and working for people that I grew up admiring uh, and hearing from those people that, you know, I admired uh, as a kid tell me that you're not ready. You're not a star. You're not who you think you are, stuff like that. It's, it's like pretty traumatizing. It's, uh, you know, it, it makes you feel like your entire life is a lie. Um, and it was hard never to meet your with. heroes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was hard to adjust to. Um, it was very hard to adjust to. And, you know, I've had that thought in the back of my mind of, you know, do I leave? Do I, do I stick it out? Do I, do I mention it? Do I mention my frustrations? Do I do something about it? Because, you know, it's not just myself that I'm thinking about. I got, I got kids, I got a wife, I got, you know, family members and friends that have pushed me uh, and, and motivated me to get to WWE. So there's a lot that comes with that as far as, you know, possibly um, letting certain people down or, 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 you know, not meeting a certain expectation. Um, you got fans. A lot of those fans are kids. You got to think about, man, these kids aren't going to see me on TV anymore. You know, uh, even, even after leaving, uh, um, being released from WWE, I still get, you know, hundreds of messages from, from kids like every day, like, uh, which is so crazy because they're on Instagram messaging me. So weird. Um, yeah, but you know, I they're keep saying... telling my own kid to lay off on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't keep messaging people. Like, 
He's like, yeah, but... oh, I messaged Dolph Ziggler yesterday. I'm like, you can't keep doing that. It's, it's crazy, but it, it's, it's kind of like heartbreaking. Like, it makes you just think. It's like, man, these kids are like looking up to me. Like, they're, they're asking me, when are you going to be back on TV? Why'd you leave WWE? Why'd you? So it's very hard. Like, the, the, the world of social media, the era of social media, you know, it all, although it has its perks and it has its advantages and stuff like that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Um, yeah, it's, it's you can never, a can never escape. A, it's a blessing and a curse, without yeah. a doubt, social media. Um, because, the you know, the blessing is the fans that you can connect with and the way that you can probably, I think guys can elevate their careers a lot more nowadays than they could. But the curse is, like just like what you're talking about, the fans, fans are quote unquote smarter nowadays. But in a lot of ways, it it hurts because they they think they know everything, but they really know nothing. Um, and like things you're talking about, how tough like politically, um, and the behind the scenes um can be an absolute. I mean, there's just sharks back there, and um, it's politically it can be really really tough within the industry and the fans may hear something reported on the internet about like you or something you did or an attitude and me and you had talks you know in your time there me and you talk personally um in your time there and like but the fans draw conclusions and then they really have no idea what's going on or how tough it is or how 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 bad it can be mentally and taxing on you like you yeah said. so it's kind of like they they think they know, but they really don't. Yeah, and I didn't want to believe it, you know. Uh, you know, and I—it's—it's it's crazy to say this, but you know, when I got signed to WWE, well, I was like 22 years old. You know, I'm still a kid now, 26. But you know, even four years makes a world's difference. And looking back on it now, you know, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it at first, but now I do. I understand now. I understand that there it's completely different from the independence you know you have your control you have the ability to you know control your own narrative and you can push yourself and you can work at your own pace and you can do all this and all that um but there you know i understand that now it is a business and it is a ruthless business <laughs> and uh yeah. now i understand that now but i also know and i understand who i am as a person and I'm not, although I understand it's a business and certain things need to be moved certain ways and things need to be said or not said, that, that's just not how I move. And I, and I know who I am as a person, as a, as a performer, as a, you know. And that's okay. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got, yeah. No one sleeps in your skin, but you. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough to sit back and, and say, you know, it, it's rough to sit back and not work as hard as you want to work. That right. that was my that was my biggest thing. I, I always wanted to, I wanted to work. I wanted to work hard. I'm a hard. You wanted worker. to be I in like, the ring wrestling. I, not even just wrestling, but I wanted to, you know. Although I wanted to to wrestle, you know, and being a manager, you know, I I, I didn't get signed to WWE thinking manager on <laughs> right like. I, that never crossed my mind. Um, so, but I liked it because it it, it pushed me um, to uh, a level of you know being an all around you know performer. 
you know, I was never really known on the indies for being a talker. You know, and I didn't cut, right. I didn't I didn't cut the best of promos on, on the independent scene, but but being kind of like thrown uh, to the wolves, you know, not even really knowing how to cut a promo, but just saying, hey, you look good with Bobby. Let's put you on TV and see what you can do. You know, I'm on I'm on live TV every Monday and I got to do something and it's got to work. And if it doesn't right. work, I'm I'm screwed. So it pushed me to learn how to you know, talk and cut promos and stuff like that. So I didn't, I didn't mind not wrestling. It was just the fact that, you know, my, my ideas, my, my, uh, my ideas didn't seem like they really mattered. My, my worth didn't really see, didn't really uh, feel like it was, you know, seen. Um, yeah, you're, you know. you're worthless. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, but, I put <clears> a lot of work outside of the ring. That's kind of a criticism that a lot of people face in the WWE is that they lose that element of independence and they lose that whole picture. And, you know, there's a lot of there's criticism of, you know, several people who have ended up there and then not been used to their full potential, you know, and um, we hear it all the time, you know, um, that they're just not being used properly or they're not, you know, they're they're not pushing them in a storyline. So they're kind of forgotten about, you know, because, of course. Um, you were there when they were in that um, frenzy of buying up all the talent, you know, because there were competitors that were getting on the scene. So it was that, oh, hey, let's snap everybody up and give them contracts. But also we can't fit that many people onto those hours of programming each week too. So there were people who could have done so much more and could have been pushed in different ways and they weren't. And so that's a common criticism that has been out there about WWE particularly, you know, for, for ages. <laughs> yeah. And, and from a promoting standpoint and a promoter standpoint, and again, someone that literally has known you from the, the day before you took your first bump when you were just signing <laughs> up at a wrestling school, when, I, when they put you with Bobby, me personally, I would sit back and I watched, it was like, I watched you come out of the shell that you had been in. It was like you were in the shell. So like there was, you know, obviously not only to put you, your face on TV and, and a national audience. But um, yeah, throwing you out there and throwing to the wolves, it did without a doubt, one hundred percent help you grow. I think as a, you know, all around competitor, because I you you never touch the microphone. So like watching yeah. that and watching you evolve, and then you know personally, and maybe I might be biased, but I thought you you got really good at it really quickly. Um, you know, talking and it, it definitely was something that that added layers to you. Um, yeah, for sure. You know. So. Yeah, I I actually uh, just for one from one voice to another, um, I always knew it was there. I don't know if you remember this, Leo, but well, when we first met each other at one of the, the MCW holiday parties, like at one point I just pulled out my phone as I'm known to do. And there was, you were there and I was there and there was some guy and I just started recording you. And you weren't, you didn't know what to say, you know, but the camera was on and uh, you were on my Instagram and you like cut this like, little promo that really made no sense whatsoever yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't going anywhere to make any sense but i knew then i was like you know what there's something there like uh your the way the quality of your speaking i knew that that was something that people would want to hear that would be more attractive to your overall package and personally when i was at home watching you in the in the manager role i was i was more proud of you than probably any match that i've seen you do because I knew that that was always there. And I was, I was really happy that the world got to see it. And you excelled at that. You were, to me, the best part of the entire 
Lashley, Lashley. That was the best part of the show for me, not just because I knew you, because it was so well done. So I was glad to see you get to stretch out as a manager and flex your vocal cords. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about this, uh, the MTV thing, what's going on for people that may not know about it. How'd that come yeah. out? Yeah, so, uh, you know, that, that came out of left field, out of way left field. You know, that I, I was just sitting at home, you know, kind of contemplating what my next move was. I didn't really know what was what was going to happen. You know, you know, Corona was was just starting. The world was was in flames. Uh, you know, yeah. the, 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 the protests and the, and, the, and the riots and, you know, there wasn't any you know indie shows really we really happening and i just got released from wwe so i was just all over the place and thinking like man this is just such a messy situation that i'm in right now and yeah. i just ended up checking my email one day and i saw this email that just looked like any normal junk mail i probably would have just pressed the spam button and threw it in the trash and i opened it up and it it was just a very, it's literally like one sentence. The, the, there was no profile picture on the, on, the, on the icon thing. And it said, hey, Leo, just reaching out to see if you were interested in being a part of a reality show on MTV this summer. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I'm interested. And like, what is it? And I was like, it's called uh, The Challenge. Um, I don't know if you've seen it before, but here's a couple of videos um, so you can see it. And I click on the the links and I'm like, this is like, this is real world road rules. This is like the show that The Miz was on. And yeah. I was like, holy crap. So I like messaged them back and I was like, hell yeah, I want to be a part of this. And they sent me everything. And it was, it was such like a quick process. It was like within like less than two months, I'm in LA hopping on a plane to, to Iceland to be on this reality show that I just it's just it's it's just absolutely insane that 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 came about and how it came about and the timing of it all you know just getting released from WWE and not knowing what I was going to do next and um it's also a pretty funny thing you know I, I found it pretty pretty ironic that you know I got released from one you know uh television network <laughs> on Wednesday nights and then I go to another network on Wednesday nights, but it's the number one rated show every Wednesday night. And I'm like, man, this is this is this is insane. Yeah, it almost sounds almost sounds like a setup, like that that you were set up <laughs> for success. You know, they're yeah, both yeah. TV companies. They're both TV companies. One producer from one knows that you're out the door. Yeah, he said to one of his producer friends from another major show. Because that's really what it would be. Let's yeah. take this personality from one major show, put them on this major show, and there you are, more Leo in everybody's life. So it's a yes. win-win. Same know? night, same time. You didn't miss a beat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So they reached out to you, I guess, from like your social media profile. Like uh, Twitter, yeah. So. yeah, because, I mean, that was that – was, uh, that was a pretty big deal. That was a pretty big thing that, that happened in the, in the, I think that sent shockwaves all throughout, you know, not only like sports entertainment, but just like, like sports in general, because, you know, COVID happened, obviously all of these different 
organizations had to make changes and adjustments, but nobody really released their roster. Nobody really released talent, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, there might've been some, some cutback in, in pay, but there was no like, okay, 150 people, we got to let you go. Right. Like that was insane. That, yeah. that was WWE was like the first ones to do it really. It started happening more in other industries, but yeah. WWE on whatever they call that Black Wednesday or whatever was like the first one to be like, okay, we're getting rid of 30 wrestlers. Like And I was a part of that first. I was a part of the the, the very first announcement. So that first announcement, people were just like, What in the world? You know. And I was a part of, you know, that group. I was with uh, the Good Brothers, Gallows, and, and Anderson. I was with uh, Kurt Angle. Um, right. You know, some, some, you know, some pretty notable names in, in the business. So, and I don't think anybody just saw it coming. You know, I was, I was just a champ on, on, on TV. Like so a couple weeks people, before, right? I mean, yeah. So people yeah. were super, super confused. I mean... Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty rough situation, but I'm glad that one that you know, like Larry said, like one door closed. Literally, as soon as I closed that door, I'm walking right into another one, like unexpectedly, and it, it ended up putting me on a, an even bigger path. So, and like Larry was referencing earlier, I guess you popped up what like MLW. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, MLW. And where where is they where are they running out of? They're out of Orlando, out of Orlando, Florida. Are they having? Because I, I haven't, I haven't just been able to keep up with all of the wrestling in general as much. But are they having any fans, or is it no fans? No, it, no fans, no, no fans. fans. Yeah, yeah. I said yeah, like yeah. AEW is starting to let. So I guess they let some fans into their place, but I guess yeah, it's all it's, different. Depends on it's the. It's a little weird. It depends on the on the company. Obviously, it depends on the budget. You know, AEW is running out of a freaking football stadium or whatever it yeah. is so they can they can afford to you know have people sit back hundreds and hundreds right. of feet away right um but then they have you know i don't i don't really understand putting the wrestlers in in in, in t-shirts and making them act like fans i don't really understand yeah, I, that that's it's very silly to me uh mm-hmm. i i see that's where i would have gotten in trouble i probably would have gotten in trouble again you know of i would have said I would have said no. <laughs> like I'm a yeah, I'm that's a, humiliating I'm, on some level. I'm a superstar. I'm a I'm a I'm a superstar. Okay. You know, uh, uh, according to you guys, so I'm not about to be dressed up like a like a fan and and banging on the gates and pretending like I'm a fan of another wrestler when I got a storyline with them in two weeks. Well, so. and Leo, right. I don't even think that's just you. Part of the reason I stopped keeping up with wrestling and I'm look, I'm, I, you know, part owner of MCW and I've been a promoter and a wrestler and been involved for 25 years. I'm 47. I've been a fan since I was eight. So 39 years, I've loved wrestling. Um, it was tough. I couldn't watch that. And then, and I, and I understand to the credit to the companies that did that and put like wrestlers, I understand like everybody was had this, like, we just got hit. And we didn't, and everybody was trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. But to me, the fans are the part of the business that like, you know, making them pop, making them care, making them hate, love, cry, making them feel emotion, like, and that, that real reaction. So for me, just like that element of it, I was, and it's kind of why I paused, I was okay until everything happened with RJ um i was kind of okay pushing pause on mcw and taking a break because 
I was like, I just can't do wrestling like they're doing wrestling now, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I understand they were in that situation, but I, I understand what you mean even more. Like I connect more with what you're saying. Cause I, I, I was like, I, I can't, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. But you it's see, Dan, that's, that's a part of the business what I'm talking about this. It's a, it's a business and they need fans regardless of, of what the situation might be. They need somebody there because fans are a part of the overall experience. And if they can't get actual fans to be in those seats, they got to put somebody in those seats because it's a part of that, that whole experience. And you can't say, you can't say that because you're there to, to shut up and do what the boss they is want. telling you to do. Right. So uh, again, like I said, I probably would have got in trouble. I, I would have got stripped from the title. For, for yeah. sh- like, shoot. <laughs> right, so right. It's like, yeah. 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 So I, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, you know, I, I, I've grown from the, from, that whole experience um you know it has helped me i'm not i and that's the difference between me and you know a lot of other guys you know i I see some people that got released and aren't doing as much stuff because they're still bitter they're still holding on to that resentment and that anger and Mm -hmm. i don't think that some people really understand you know what they just came from and but but i i you know, I real it is what it is. It helped me. It helped me yeah. in the long run. You know, it it made me a household name in, in wrestling. You know, you can't you can you can ask, you know, any any wrestling fan, and obviously I'm not, you know, blowing smoke up my ass or anything, but you know, I I I made it to the to the top of uh, of the business. And you can ask any wrestling fan, whether they're a fan of AEW or Ring of Honor, uh, you know, anywhere, you bring up the name Leo Rush and they they know if they don't know who I am, they have at least heard the name before. So that's all I can, that's all I can, you know, ask for. And I'm grateful for the the opportunity that I had and, and what it's done for me and my career and my name. And um, yeah. So hey man, MTV's never emailed me asking them to be asking me. To be <laughs> <on that. laughs> so it definitely, uh, yeah. yeah, it absolutely I agree with you. Hey, listen, more importantly, what's been going on, um, you personally, you have another child on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming up so soon. Oh, my gosh. It's like less than a month now. Is she Um, that far away? Yeah, less less than a month. Mid-February, I'm going to be, she's going to be popping out, you know. How's she doing? uh, uh, She's doing pretty good. I think at this point, she's pretty over it. She's uh, she's ready. (laughs) She's ready to have the baby. That happened. Um, yeah. 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 She, an she on that. Super, <laughs> super excited, you know, at, at first. I mean, she still is excited, but just, I think just the overall like wear and tear that it's doing on her body and being tired and, and everything. She's just kind of over that part and she wants it to, to happen already, but we're, we're excited. Yeah. Cool. I, cool. I can relate to that. Like, I know there's women out there who like love the whole being pregnant experience. I was not one of those. Like, I <laughs> did like, it was hard. It felt like there was like aliens growing inside me. Um, yeah. And you do get to that point where you're just like, okay, this has gone on for a really long time now. You need to get out here. And you, cause you do start, there's like that nesting syndrome thing that women go through. Like when you get toward the end, you start, you know, organizing everything. And then you're just like, okay, the room's all set up. Where's the baby? Yeah. I get, I definitely can relate to Sarah's experience. 
like that's <laughs> it's hard like it's it's you know because it's, it's a big change and your body just goes through so much stuff and it, it, it's it's hard so yeah but wow that's that's really exciting that's really you know really close <laughs> yeah yeah it's just super close and i and i haven't been doing um too much i'm trying to uh um i put out like a video the other day and you know kind of just saying you know i'm at a point right now and, and it probably won't be like this forever but i'm just kind of like at a point where i just want to be around my family and i want to be home a lot more so mm-hmm. you know i've got you know I've, I'm, I'm doing everything from home now you know I, I usually like go to studios and i'm going here and i'm going there but i'm trying to like i got my gym i got set up a gym here uh in my, in my garage i've got like my recording studio little setup in here um i'm doing like all of my merch you know from home yeah i'll show you look at look at this that's all that's all merch that i'm shipping out oh, wow. Well, wow. that's I all got, merch so, <laughs> you're yeah, always so the king of merch i got i got my i got my punching bag back there and and, and everything so it's I, I'm trying to, you know, just do everything myself. I'm recording my own videos. I'm editing my own videos. I'm about to start a podcast pretty soon with, with Sarah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got that set up in here too, um, which is going to, you know, focus um, more so just like on me and Sarah's relationship, you know, because I, I always wanted to do a podcast and it was in my head, but I didn't want to be like, you know, a wrestler doing like a wrestling podcast and i wanted to kind of get away from that so um we did a, like a little talk show like a video webisode thing called orange you glad you asked the question but now we're going to do the orange you glad you asked the question the podcast and it's just going to be you know answering questions from like fans and and you know maybe we'll have a guest or two on there that we both have like mutual connections with and stuff like that but it, it'll it'll be pretty cool so that's awesome that's Great. awesome does Sarah still have her business with the um, uh, incense and all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she definitely does, and uh, she she didn't announce this yet. But I mean, I, I'll put a little put a little uh, thing out there. But she's uh, she's about to start releasing uh, uh, soaps. Um, so that'll yeah, I think that'll do uh, even better than the incense. Honestly, um, they they smell in- in- incredible um all handmade um you know by her which is which is pretty cool she's got her own little little factory in the house going on so these guys are all about that hustle yeah yeah for sure yeah you always have been um speaking of your merchandise leo i know you've got some uh uh of the brawling buddies uh, do you still have? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, um, they're up for pre-order right now. Okay. Um, the the uh the slam buddies. I'm gonna have uh, slam buddies. Sorry. Four... <laughs> no, no, this it's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna have uh four sets. Um, the the first set is gonna be which I already posted about. It's gonna be the NXT version of me and my green tights. Then we're gonna have a black heart version of me. Uh, Good. We're gonna have a manager. Uh, version of me in my suit with my bald head and, and the glasses and stuff like that and um there's one more that I can't think of right now I think it's like the NXT uh when I won the NXT title so I'll have on the big brown and pink like trench coat with my dreads and stuff like that so it'll, and, it'll be pretty cool yeah what are the size of those hookup. are those like replicas of the old wrestling buddies from the 80s can you actually wrestle those things um I mean, I'm pretty sure you can if you're like a kid. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I think they're about like 
I don't know, maybe like a little over like a foot. Maybe yeah, a I think they're a little bigger tall. than like a foot. Yeah. 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 We've, okay, got, so. we've got a, a, a shipment of bruiser buddies coming this week. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got yeah, nice that we'll be releasing. I should have done what you did with the pre-orders, but I wasn't sure. And I was like, I'll just wait for them all to get here. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they look really, I saw a photo of them last week or yesterday, in fact, and um, they look awesome. So they look really good, like put together well. The detail that they put into the costumes, I think is fantastic. So that's yeah, all yeah. Doing different variants. I think that's great. Even even with the tattoos, they're super, <laughs> they're super about, you know, putting my, my tattoos on there too. So that was, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's great. That's awesome. And how can fans um, purchase one of those? Um, yeah, so I have a website. It's called musicbyleo.com. Uh, um, you can also find all my music on there, too. But I also have a store tab on there where they can find all my merchandise. I've got Slam Buddies on there. I've got these T-shirts on there, the Man of the Hour, uh, Man of Japan shirts. Um, I've got masks. Um, I've got these pop sockets, these cool little pop sockets uh, right. for the phones which are pretty cool. Um, and, you know, like other things like eight by tens and, and other t-shirts, you know, like the typical, you know, wrestling merch um, and my wife's incense uh, on there. And that t-shirt that Larry's wearing right now is on there too. So, yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so right, speaking we'll of Japan, are you, are you, in our podcast for you. Are, are you going to Japan or have you been talking with them? Um, so I, I've been having a pretty good working relationship with with New Japan. Um, I am debuting on the New Japan Strong uh, tapings next week, uh, which I'm I'm pretty excited about. You know, the, I, I I I guess you know the people out there in Japan were pretty impressed with my performance in the Super J Cup, and they wanted to to uh, bring me back uh, to the promotion to start up doing the new japan strong taping so hopefully that'll be like a weekly thing and that'll no. lead to me going to uh japan and hopefully one day being you know a mainstay uh right. in new japan so what yeah it's pretty the, cool and that was in the states though right Did, uh yeah 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 that's in the states so or in japan long, they're actually japan's back they open back up right they're having like live events with crowds and um, yeah, they're having um, live events. Um, it's, it's, it's very weird. Uh, it's a very weird thing. But I know that they're super strict with their, with their you know, uh, COVID protocols. You know, I don't know if you've seen uh, the last Wrestle Kingdom, but the fans aren't allowed to, to chant. They're not allowed to, to say anything. They can just clap. That's all they can do. So, oh, really? Which is smart, you know. They're all wearing masks. They all have on gloves, and they can't say anything, which is which is really cool. You know, it's it just shows you how how not only how strict Japan is, but how culture. Uh, yeah, Dan, you said it. Culture. culture. Yeah, cult, yeah. culture, and yeah, discipline. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Discipline. You know, wearing masks yeah. is normal over there, you know, so they're, mm -hmm. you know, because they have the attitude that, you know, they, they know to wear the mask to protect other people. So I, I don't yeah. think there was as big as a um, shift in thinking as what we're kind of facing here, where somehow mm. we confused health for like, um, 
rights, but um, yeah, you my know, freedom. You that there was right, like somehow not infecting the person next to you is some sort of freedom issue. But um, <laughs> you know, I think that culturally that's so normal over there that it was probably a little bit easier. But I got to think as a performer, it would be weird to um, see a crowd of people being quiet, like. You know the empty arena thing was one thing like i remember when the first smackdown aired with the empty arena like i just went oh like it was bad you know like yeah. i was watching it yeah. as a fan. and like you were saying dan that kind of led to not following yeah. And, stuff. Yeah. and then it got better like with the addition of the screens and the thunderdome and you had virtual fans there but then you had fake crowd music noises so it was kind of like awkward and then i feel like this is just like another layer of that juxtaposition of what's right. a wrestling experience you know what i mean like now we have fans and they're real and physical and they're sitting there but they can't say anything for them. Right. <laughs> I, I guess it's, i guess the clapping i guess the clapping adds one layer to it but um you know, again, it's just there's so much organically what makes wrestling wrestling. And like, that's what I don't like. Like you you point out, Tara, like the fake crowd noises. It's almost like um, they can make a baby face, a baby face or a heel, a heel that's not really organically, you know, right. like that where the fans, you know what I mean? It's almost like, no, we want this guy to be an over baby face. So we're just going to turn the turn the cheers up. <laughs> You know what Yay, I mean? It's like yeah, right? there's it's nothing the, organic about it to me, which all just is what I still have a problem connecting with. Yeah, um, and it's that's the I feel like that's the worst thing really about it because although, like you said, Dan, like even though fans don't entirely know what's going on, and sometimes they do know what's going on, and they can see through they can see through BS, and you know they're not they're not they're not stupid. You know, they can clearly tell that we're not we're not wanting to cheer for this person or, you know, right. I feel like people are just so involved with like technology and they're so like tech savvy now, like because everything is just technology. You do things on the computer, you do things on your phone, like people are learning how to do these Zoom things and people are knowing how to edit videos and people like everybody is just getting so used to doing things with technology i feel like that they can hear or point out when something isn't real like they can i don't know if that makes sense it's very hard to explain but you know yeah. just a lot of people it, are aware of more things now like that right. when things are authentic now there's a, a thing about it's so easier to tell when things aren't authentic yeah, and not yeah, only is yeah. it easier to tell it's easier to call people out on it you know yeah. it's like it's easier to yeah. have my voice be like, oh, this is BS. I see it, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a gift and a curse, Dan. I think that's the best way to put it. It's a gift and a curse. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I got one. Um, Leo, uh, aren't you um involved in an upcoming film, like a feature-length film? Isn't that also like on the <laughs> in the sphere, the radar of, of Leo Rush's ascent to like you know mega superstardom? Yeah, yeah. I am gonna be a part of my very first film uh which is crazy to say this uh but it's going to be a power rangers film um i, I was able to develop a, a close relationship with the original uh green and white ranger jason david frank um over the years he, he came to like Hi. wwe shows yeah yeah, yeah he came to some wwe shows and we we chopped it up and and 
we became like really good close friends and he he reached out to me one day and said hey i'm putting together this uh this film with uh bat in the sun productions out in la and i want you to be a part of it um so yeah it's gonna be pretty cool i don't know uh i know that they they started filming already but you know due to covid and the restrictions that la has um you know there's not a lot of studios like opened up and uh, there's a, a certain amount of people that you can have on set. So they're, they're picking and choosing, you know, certain people to come in and film what they have to film and, and stuff like that. And uh, I know some people got their roles, but some people didn't. I don't know if I'm going to be a villain, Power Ranger, extra. I don't know what I'm going to be. But it's just cool that I'm going to be a part of it. And it's just another thing that I can say, you know, that, right. that I've done uh, before I hit my resume. 30s. <laughs> music, music, TV, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Keep hustling. Um, yep. Well, Leo, that's, we've, we've kind of touched base on a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, don't want to hold your time up too much. I know you got a lot going on, obviously. Um, but I, I uh, you know, behalf of me and Tara and Larry, really appreciate you coming on. It was uh, kind of a no-brainer for our first episode. It was like Absolutely. I knew exactly who I wanted to, to get. Like I said, just kind of <clears throat> coming off everything we're coming off of with and, and still reeling, like internally, all of us yeah. from RJ's passing, it's still uh, still trying to kind of absorb it and take it in. It was kind of a no-brainer to have you on. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Definitely. Thank you. I wouldn't have uh, wanted to have it any other way. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm the, the first. <laughs> well, cool, man. Good luck. And good luck to, um, good luck to uh, your um, newborn child and your wife, Sarah. Tell her we said hello. Um, Definitely. And uh, yeah, obviously we'll stay in touch like we always do. For sure. Thank you guys. I really Thanks, man. Love, love you, kid. Thanks, Leo. Love you. Yeah, love you, Take Leo. Care. Thank you. All right. All right. See you. Bye. Well, there you have it. Uh, some words from Leo. Uh, just so so poised and. Uh, Heck of an interview there. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Leo, from all of us here at uh, MCW Pro, from all of us on the cast. We couldn't think of a more fitting first guest than the man of the hour, current MCW Rage champion, Leo Rush. Yeah, it was a great interview. Um, you know, we kind of, before we threw it to him, we uh, we talked um, one of the things, you know, we brought up that match and uh, – you know, kind of having it and talking with him, doing that interview, I kind of started, I started getting a little emotional talking about it. And I remember it was, it, it's interesting. We talked about the story, the story arc of, of everything, how it came together, you know, how it was such a, it was, it was this gigantic story that, um, that, that, uh, that, that Leo came as a student, started here in the building in the Joppa, wrestled his last show, wrestled RJ, kicked RJ, went to WWE, gets, you know, released by WWE and comes back and shows back up at a tribute show for his coach, um, for his coach, you know, at, as a surprise. And um, there was a lot when everything first happened. There was a couple triggers um, for me personally, especially the first couple of weeks after RJ passing that really wrecked me, um, that really wrecked me personally. And one of them was when I clicked on social media and Leo had that picture of him and RJ. Oh yeah, hugging in the in ring, the ring mm -hmm. hugging in the After ring. After that match, yeah. That's my picture. 
It's my picture from ringside. Destroyed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Destroyed mm-hmm. me because what wrestling fans may not, wrestling fans probably wonder a lot what's real and what's not. And in wrestling, there's a lot of really real moments that people don't understand are real. That was such a real moment. Because mm-hmm. RJ, it meant the world to RJ. Yep. He loved Leo. Leo loved him. Like that picture of them hugging was just such a real moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They hugged. You know? I mean, I captured that picture, and I captured it because they hugged for so long. Mm-hmm. Was that and they, they, That was my picture from ringside. I wasn't the announcer for it, but I just... You snapped that. I snapped the picture because I... I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't snapped know that either. It, at, right from ringside, I snapped the picture, and I snapped it because they hugged for so long. Mm-hmm. You could tell they were both crying. Yeah. And you could tell that this was the hug that Leo needed from his mentor yeah. to go on and take on the world. And... Um, it was very, it was very important for me to to grab that, and I remember when I got it, Leo was so happy that mm-hmm. someone captured that moment. It wasn't a professional camera; it was just my iPhone there. Yeah. But I couldn't let that moment go by, and I, yeah, that yeah. that is um. That was one that that got me, man. That uh, for that couple of days after, mm-hmm. when I saw that post, I was just wrecked. Yeah. You know when Leo posted, he made it his profile. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's interesting. You bring up that uh, that uh, kind of like you know the reality of wrestling. You know, yeah. that a lot of people don't really understand. Um, and I, I think back to, uh, you know, Mick Foley. I think it was his first book, like, the real world is is fake. And, you know, or professional wrestling's way, way more real than the, <laughs> than the, you know, the real world. Right. And, um, you know, I see glimpses of that even to this day. Even to this yeah. day, there are things that I see happening on the news. And in my wrestling mind, I'm like... Is this a gimmick? Is this a work? <laughs> well, we, we've heard nonstop fake news, fake news. And it's funny because, you know, wrestling is always associated with being, quote unquote, fake, you know. And so you don't know what what's real or what's a storyline or what are you supposed to be believing? You know, um, are things being released in the media in a certain fashion to uh, lead people to believe one thing versus another? Well, wrestling is creating a storyline like that as well, you know. To some extent. And sometimes it's like you can't even decipher if like <laughs> this is like part of the storyline, but it's not. It's, right. it's reality. It's <laughs> but the lines are, are very blurred in this day and age, I feel. I think, <clears throat> I got to be honest with you, I've probably always, I've always had a wrestling mind in the sense of everything I see in my life is through the lens of wrestling. Mm. You know, like I'll make comments a lot of times on social media and people laugh or remark, but like. Everything I see going on in the world, I really see through the lens of professional wrestling because I, 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 I think in many ways wrestling is more real than real life. You know, I think, I think many times real life is more of a work than professional wrestling. Well, I'll tell you this much, and Tara, I think that you probably are on the same page. I've learned or I've been taught so many lessons mm-hmm. from the stories that are on, on wrestling. It's almost like wrestling kind of falls into this morality it's like a morality play of like you do the wrong thing you're gonna get your your just desserts right or you, <laughs> you get know, your receipt right i mean there's a whole language associated with wrestling you know and and um you know you start throwing those things into conversation and i'll catch myself doing that with friends like i'll, I'll say something is a shoot and they're just looking at me like what are you talking about right, you right. Know? or i'll say something's a gimmick you know and and people outside of the wrestling world you know are 
what does that even mean? You, right. know? They, they, you know, it's funny. They may not understand our language, and that's because we come from an era where we had to protect. Exactly. Um, protect, the we were, protect the business. Protect the business when we are amongst, you know, people that weren't in the business. Right. But I'll tell you something that I've been noticing, and maybe it has to do with our, our most recent president of these United States. I've noticed one part of wrestling uh, that has really creeped into uh, the reality of life is the chance. The chance of like the fan base of wrestling. One of the things that we learned at Bonebreakers and MCW Mm -hmm. Academy is like getting the fans to chant along Mm -hmm. with you. And if you look at like the campaign, the presidential campaign, how many times did we see it? different rallies like the chance of in unison, whether it be lock her up or, you know, whatever it would be. And all of that is so relevant to our universe of, right. of you know getting right. the fans to chant along bruiser right bruiser, right or whatever it just goes to show well what is this this is something that is the reality that has come from something that so many people think are is so consider fake sure and think about the protest signs and different you know and at rallies and different mm-hmm. things like that i mean signs are a way to communicate and wrestling fans you know have extensively used signs in the crowd you know um I know that uh, some of the, like, WWE has cut back on the kinds of signs that you can bring in. And, you know, I I hate to be the person sitting behind somebody with a sign, but, like, that's how they communicate with Mm -hmm. other fans in the crowd. And, you know, the the people would make their signs so that they had hopes of getting on TV. And, oh, my sign got on TV. My sign got on TV. So, you know, it's that same kind of crowd communication going on, you know. What were you going to say, Now, just exactly what you're saying. 100%. 100%. I mean, you look at, like, the most over guys in history, right? Like, Brent Hinton, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, The Rock. Right. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the same. That's like, you, you talk about the, the, the our most recent president. I knew, this is, no like, I, I knew he was going to win election about a month out when everyone else was saying he was going to lose because of the whole tape that came out, you know, mm-hmm, for everybody. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because something changed in his rallies at the time, and that's what I would see. Like I'd like he kept, he got the gimmicks over, mm-hmm. lock mm-hmm. her up, build the wall, and I'm catchphrases, catchphrases, yeah. right. right. watching that exactly what you said. And I remember back then, and people were like, "You're watching mainstream media and this and that," and they're going, "He's done. It's over. He's going to get crushed worse than anybody else." And I'm watching these rallies. I was mesmerized by, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mesmerized by. From a promoter standpoint, I'm going, oh, my God. To me, back then, I would joke with people. I'd say, I think Vince is running, stepped in on his campaign. Because that's where all of a sudden he started. And he had four lines. You know, lock her up, Mm -hmm. build a wall. Right, build a wall, yeah. Build a wall, Mm -hmm. um, drain the swamp. And And he took, and he would, every rally, he would be doing three or four a day. But he would mix them up. He always, and all I would see is Stone Cold. I'd be sitting here watching him, and I'd, I'd hear him saying, like, if you smell. Like, I'm like, <laughs> right, he's right. kidding. He's going out there mm-hmm. like a, 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 the most over baby faces in wrestling history. He's got his lines. He's got them over. He says whatever he says. Everything he says in between those four lines is just gibberish. Mm-hmm. Right. And he hits those lines, and every time he hits them, the people pop, mm-hmm. and then they chant them. And then he lets them come down. He lets them come down with gibberish, and he brings them back up with another one. And I'm going, yep. it's the roller coaster. I was, I was then yep. going, then going, this guy's going to win the win? presidency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to win the presidency as a pro wrestler. 
doing what pro wrestlers do to get over. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan. And not only did he masterfully, I dare say he masterfully, masterfully did. did that to the crowd, it's even spilled over into other politicians. Let's take the governor of the state that we're in right now. The governor of our state has been quoted all throughout media, on the radio I hear it, billboards when you're going down the, the expressway, wear the damn mask. The damn and and, and it's, it's, it's caught on because it's like, and that's the bottom line. It is. Stone Cold said so. It's, yeah. it's caught there on. Might, there's exactly. t-shirts in Maryland. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because just because of that. And it's a level of theatrics, mm. I think, that was not necessarily part of the political realm up until, say, the last five years. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. The lines get blurred where we have this, like, performance type quality, you know, where I think that we kind of have been conditioned to expect just dry, boring politics right. from people, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, oh, I got to vote for somebody. Okay. You know, uh, I don't really feel connected to this. But when you connect, to the performer, which is just like being a fan sitting in a wrestling crowd, when you connect, you know, then all of a sudden you're invested. Like you're a part of the show now. And I think that's where he reached out and was able to capitalize on that. And he changed and he changed it like you're right. You see it a lot now. Like I regardless of what you think of a former president, well, if it's, you know, in a day or so. Yeah, current president. Um but he definitely changed that in a big way to where you see it that that Trump effect on like his I, when when Governor Hogan a couple months ago and he start cutting promos, I saw on his Facebook page and there was an article in the Baltimore Sun, he's like cutting promos on text on his Facebook page, <laughs> yeah. burying people that are you know what I mean making comments. I'm like this is the Trump effect. Right. This is the Trump effect on politics. Well, we didn't have a politician connect with people at that level, you know, like speaking to them that way. You know, I mean, and there was always this clear separation, politicians and the people. And he blurred that by those communication skills and by using the tools that, you know, teenagers used and ever, you know, people where you, you could communicate with the president the same way you could communicate with your grandma. Right. You know, and that was that was something new. Yeah, definitely was something new. And you know something at the end of the day, again, to harp on this real versus fake, leave it to a WWE Hall of Famer to change right. the way that the politics <laughs> are spoken of and the kind of persona that these these politicians right. can kind of have that's larger than life that mm-hmm. rallies the people to do kind of dramatic things like we just saw, you know, last week in the Capitol. It's and to take it to that, like, wrestling, um, I don't know if you saw it. I sent it over to uh, Tara this morning in uh, Mexico. Blue, Blue Demon oh, yeah. Have you oh. seen that? No, no. Maybe I we could pull it up and they could throw it on the screen okay, or whatever, but, throw it up. Yeah, but Blue but Demon, Blue Demon, um... Blue Demon Jr. Blue Demon Jr. is running for some sort of congressional seat in the city in Mexico where he is. He's the, um, I don't think he's like the real son of him, is he? He's like, it's adopted in quotes, I believe. Here it is. It's it's a tweet I grabbed. Blue Demon Jr., the adopted son of the legendary luchador Blue Demon, is running for mayor of the Mexico City municipality of Gustavo. Gustavo sounds about Gustavo. right. Yeah, as as a progressive, he is anonymous and says he will only reveal his identity <laughs> to authorities if he wins. Look at that! <laughs> How so, wrestling is that? It's, it's, I mean, is that amazing? It's so, it's so wrestling. Yeah, is this amazing. I mean, and here's the thing: that's almost like talking to people 
into the building he's of talking them into voting. Right. Yeah, I'm right. He's going to reveal himself if he wins. I'll, I'll, yeah, <laughs> when I win, I'll tell you who I am. I'll reveal my identity. I got to tell you, it's a hell of a gimmick. I, a- if I was not into the race, let's say I, if I knew Blue Demon Jr. was running and he might actually un- <laughs> unmask himself hey, if he wins. Right? I'm starting the campaign already. Joe Biden's about to take office in the next day or so. And I'm like, Blue Demon Jr. 2024. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, it, it all adds up that, uh, you know. The, I mean, how amazing is that? You talk about that's the next level. It's, it's, He'll it's, unmask. You see, tell me that pro wrestling isn't involved in real life. Well, and this is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's showing how real, how real that it is. That's yeah. right. You know? Um, with that said, I think um, we need to, we're going to talk about some other real things that are going on that's topically. Right. Uh, but we we're gonna pause one more time for station identification okay. here. Uh, we got to pay the bills. Right. And we're gonna talk about that too when we get back. Uh, uh, how how you the fans out there can help this keep going. It's a grassroots right. campaign. We're mom and pop, but we're gonna pause real quick. We'll be right back with you right here on the MCW Cast. Visit Teespring.com/store/MCWcast to get all of your MCW Cast apparel needs. Get the gear and join the cast. All right, Larry, like uh, one of the other things that um, the segments we want to get to, um, you mentioned, you know, there's a ton of other podcasts that kind of cover AEW, WWE on a weekly, daily basis. And, um, you know, we're the indies at our heart and soul. We're an indie promotion. And I kind of want to focus on that, um, on this podcast and kind of keeping people up to date of what's going on. And uh, I don't think there's any any better person to help us with this segment than a uh, Phil Stamper, who's been the general manager of MCW for a long time, but he's probably more in touch with uh, the Indies than anybody else I know. I love Phil, and you're you're right. If there's anyone who can fill us in about the Indies, no better candidate than Phil Stamper. I think uh, we've got uh, the we got in- him on the line. Yeah, yeah, for the Indie Roundup. The Indie Roundup. That's right. So uh, without any further ado, let's go to the pro wrestling ambassador Phil Stamper to fill us in. Antara and Larry, it's so great to see you two. I miss you guys so much. I'm glad that we can at least interface in this way. That's right, Phil, and uh, we know that you're all over the place, and you had a few interesting projects not too long ago. Uh, what was it that you did? What were you working on? I did. I was part of something called Camp Leapfrog. I've been a part of them for several months now, and it initially came together really out of that, I- that idea of, you know, we're, we've all been so isolated, and we've all been looking for something to do. And we, we decided to film this event with the concept of what happens if pro wrestlers went to summer camp. And that was sort of the initial um, experiment with Camp Leapfrog. And then IWTV became a tremendous partner, so you can catch all of our footage through their, their service at IWTV.live or the IWTV app. Um, and this past weekend, we came together to film a pre-tape for an event that you're going to see Valentine's Weekend. Um, called Camp Love Frog. And then we also filmed live for Facebook a 1985 retro-style event. Just so much fun. You got to see me in a bowler cap with a British accent. Uh, just a lot of fun to experiment a little bit. And this is a great time during uh, the big gimmick to experiment a little bit with how you can present pro wrestling in different ways. And, and Larry, I understand that we just missed each other this past weekend because at the same venue, 24 hours before I got there, you were a part of the Cassandro Cup. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience there? 
Uh, yes, indeed, Phil, the first ever Cassandro Cup to honor one of the pioneers in the LGBTQ community. It was a Billy Dixon joint. We're so excited to have come together. It'll air on IWTV around April, and um, I'm, I can't wait for it. That sounds amazing. Now, Phil, you've been out and about to many different places in many different states. What can you tell us about the different protocols that other states are implementing? And Tara, that's an excellent question. And unfortunately, what's happened is that there are so many different protocols by state, by jurisdiction, that individual companies have sometimes been left to their own devices to figure out, well, what is the best for their situation? So very similar to my experience with Camp Leapfrog, everybody had to have a a negative COVID test within the week before uh, appearing at, at the venue. We had to maintain physical distancing. We had to have masks on. So many promotions have maintained that. Um, some don't necessarily require the testing, but they do require in that space that you have to maintain your masks uh, and the crowd, unless they're coming with family that they're living with or people that they live with, that they have to maintain physical distancing as well. Um, and, you know, when we had the warmer weather, people were moving events outside. So that gave some more flexibility to being able to be physical, physically distanced. Um, to maintain a little bit of those protocols around just feeling comfortable in a much larger environment to get a larger crowd inside. Because when we saw as case rates started to spike, many jurisdictions and states were starting to shrink down the amount of people you could have at a public event. West Virginia went from, I think it was like a 50% capacity of the venue to no more than 25 people, including the people on an event. So that basically canceled everything in in West Virginia. Tennessee, that had a lot more freedom in, in some of their events and what they were allowing fans to do, also, this just said we can't. We, our hospitalization rates are too high. Our hospitals are, are starting to reach capacity. We just can't do it. So it does vary a little bit between, again, promotions and states and all these different jurisdictions. Well, Phil, you're all all over the place all the time. Uh, even in this time, where where are you at next? Where are you headed to now? So actually, this coming weekend, I'm going to be flying down to Florida for Ignite Pro's uh I believe it's their fifth anniversary event. I'm really excited. I've been friends with their promoter for a long time, so it's a great opportunity just to jump on a plane and and go somewhere. So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to work with Ignite Pro Wrestling. Um, last night, I had a long conversation with the IWA East Coast promoter out of West Virginia, and they're talking about the uh, their state's opening up more to being able to have more public events. Um, so we're looking at a venue that might get us through the rest of the winter time, and then they've come to a new agreement with a ballpark that they've worked with before to be able to move outside once the warmer uh, once the warmer weather hits. So really looking forward to that because we get a great time um, at the ball field in Charleston, West Virginia, when we were able to do that. Being at an, at an outdoor venue, again, you're able to keep up that physical distancing. Everybody has to keep on masks. So it was a great experience for everybody involved, and I'm really looking forward to getting back and doing that again, as well as more and more events hopefully coming back, as especially as warmer weather hits. Well, we're looking forward to having you right back here on the MCW cast next week for another exciting Indie Roundup. Well, I appreciate that. And I really am looking forward to the opportunity to keep coming back and talking with everybody. Um, I'm so thankful to be a part of this and I miss you guys so much. So again, I'm really glad that we can interface in at least this way. And I will see you all very, very soon. Bye, Phil. Bye, Phil. Hey, uh, general manager, Phil Stamper. I love Phil. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he really is. Uh, You know what? I think we might have to pause one more time for a little bit of uh, station identification, pay the bills, you know. Um, So we're going to join you, fans, right after these, uh, this brief break. Watch hundreds of hours of MCW Pro Wrestling action at MCWRageTV.com. That's MCWRageTV.com.
back. How about that indie roundup by uh, Phil Stamper, GM? Yeah, I mean, who's really better? Who's really better to kind of cover the indies? Talk about a guy that's had his finger on the pulse of the independent scene for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's really better to cover that? Thing? Yeah, I, he filled us in, indeed. Um, <laughs> that's right. And uh, uh, you know, he's heading down to Florida. Uh, next week, I, I personally have been heading to Florida quite a bit. It's one of the only states, really, where you can kind of have the gatherings and the and the wrestling show like we once knew. Yeah, and I, you know that the protocols is something we definitely want to get into. Um, next week, we'll probably okay. talk more about it with different states, and um, you know we'll also have a guest uh, coming on next week. But oh, it looks like it's time to take it home. All right, you got two minutes. Take it home. All right, and thank you, Ref Becky, for introducing us to our final segment today. And it is called Take It Home. And in this case, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw out a word or two to each of you, and I'd like to get your unfiltered thoughts in 20 seconds. Dan, I'm going to start with you. Impact and AEW. Uh, Working together, I think it's great for the fans. Um, I think in, in a situation like this, I know fans have opinions of who's winning, who's losing. In, the, in, the, in these matches that they're putting together. But I think there's a bigger, broader, long-term story that needs to be paid attention to, and fans should just kind of sit back and enjoy it But I, and appreciate the fact that these two companies are willing to do business together. Great. All right, to you, Larry, Omega and Swan. Uh, well, I did not like seeing uh, Swan take uh, a, a pinfall loss to Omega, although it was in a, a tag match. I, I didn't like seeing that, and I expect uh, Richie to bring that W home for Baltimore and pin Kenny Omega's Canadian shoulders to the mat the next time that we see those two tangle. All right, excellent. Dan, back to you. WrestleMania has announced their next three venues. So I heard that, and it's kind of, I guess it's, it's in a different world that we live in, um, that they're announcing three years out. Um, it's a little, you know, usually it's always a build-up every year right before WrestleMania that they announce the next one. But I guess we, we are living in crazy times right now. Not a surprise to see this year's WrestleMania in um, Florida, where it looks like, I guess, there's an understanding they're, they're going to have some fans or, or something there that may be able to do fans. Well, I'm going to throw that one to you, Larry, actually. Fans, at WrestleMania, what do you think? I mean, if it's going to be in Florida and it's going to be in the Tampa area, which I understand, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the football team from Tampa, they've already been having fans in a limited capacity strategically placed around that massive arena. So if it's good enough for the football fans, it's good enough for the wrestling fans. All right, last question I'm going to send to both of you. Royal Rumble predictions, Dan. Uh, Me, I'm going to go... Just because there's rumors circulating that, that Brock Lesnar is going to return, um, I think if Vince is going to bring him back what he pays him, he pays him a massive amount of money to always make an impact when he's there. And I'm going to say if, if Brock Lesnar shows up and he is in the Royal Rumble, I'm going to have to go with, with Brock. All right. And you, Larry? You know, I, I've been thinking about this, all of the different superstars. i got to go with Bobby Lashley from the Hurt Business. He's got four, uh, a stable of three guys, total of four, to watch his back. And um, I think it's his time. His time is coming. If they can get on the same page, there's no reason why Bobby Lashley can't win the 2021 Royal Rumble. All right. And both of you, predictions for the women's Royal Rumble. I'll, I'll start here. I, I'm going with the EST Bianca Belair baby because she has just been on a tear ever since she's debuted, and I think that she's ready to seize the day at the Women's Royal Rumble. And uh, you know what? I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that because at times in, in the wrestling business when people are heading in a certain direction, you can see and feel that momentum, and I think you can see and feel that with her. 
Um, I think you're probably right there. I think that's probably a really good prediction to go with. Yeah, the EST. I'm actually going to agree with both of you. I've been a big fan of Bianca Belair from the time I watched her debut as well, and I think this could be her year, so... Thank I'm, you. I love her entrance. Yeah, I love the ponytail. Yeah, yeah I got it. And the spin. That was so unique. You know, yeah. Right. She, she has it, I think. I think so, too. Exactly. Yep. There All is right. always something called it, and there's no doubt she has the it factor. That's right, and this is it for that segment. <laughs> All right, well, hey, listen, again, thank you guys. Thanks to the fans um, that have been watching. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week, and uh, we'll, have, we'll have another guest. Um, but... Did we do the coffee thing? No, you were going to pick it to me, dude. You were, you were right there, bro. God, Don't worry. I got to pee, I, though. I, it's I'm, okay. I have to pee I'm, a lot. And Well, before we actually go and call it a day, uh, just want to kind of pass on to the fans if, they've, if they're enjoying the content that we're putting out. Um, we got a couple commercials to help pay the bills. But the other thing they could do for us, if they really want to, is... Um, do something we all like. They could buy us a coffee. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, they we love that ca- coffee. Caffeine. Um, if they go to buymeacoffee.com backslash MCWcast, they can kind of give a quick tip and buy us a cup of coffee. And you can choose. You're buying it for Larry, buying it for Tara, buying it for me, or you could buy us all a cup of coffee. There's also some neat features on there for members if they want to become a member, uh, $4.99 a month. We're going to do a bunch of additional content for members, um, basically, of the MCW Cast fan club. So there's two different things they could do on there, and they can go and take a look at all the things we'll do, including a monthly private Zoom call we'll do for all, all members. You know, And that, that kind of helps us out, helps pay the bills, yeah. helps cover the cost of everything that we put together here to put this together. So, um, you know, I'm sure Tara... I speak for Tara and, and you. We we love it if you guys shoot over there and buy great. us a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, definitely buy us a <laughs> cup of coffee. And I'll tell you this much: if you do uh, contribute uh, each and every week that we're here for the MCW Cast, I'll let you know what I'm sipping on. I'll go and uh, you know sample a different coffee from you know all over the world and bring it on in here and brew it sure. all up for us so that we can tell you about the coffee and and shout out the the subscriber That's you know who bought us this coffee. So. Yeah, it'll be a topic. We'll put you over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You'll get pushed here, (laughs) for sure. All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks again. Listen, I really appreciate um, the people that are watching it, but um, on a personal level, Larry and Tara, um, you know, and and our producers, Steve and John, I uh, I appreciate everybody for taking this journey with us and – also to my partner, Dennis Whiprack, for not shutting the credit cards on us <laughs> when we were running them up to put this thing together. That's right. I think he deserves the most um, because me and Tara had many conversations that I thought one day I'm going to swipe the credit card and it's going to say <laughs> decline. Decline, yeah. decline because he shut it off. That's so, right, yeah. Shout out um, to our producers. That's another thing. Yep. So. We, we could use some coffee to help pay off some of the credit cards. 
Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Dan. Thanks for having right, Tara. Yes, thank you, Tara. Great. Shout out to Phil Stamper, our indie indie roundup, and uh, shout out Leo Rush. Yeah, uh, from your episode. Leo. Yeah, yeah, great interview. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and more of that to come. More yeah. of that to come in the weeks uh, coming up, and we'll see you guys next week. That's right. See you next week. Indeed, we will. Visit BuyMeACoffee.com/slash/MCWcast to be entered for exclusive offers and perks. Buy a coffee and fuel the cast.